0: At the start of the week and plenty to catch up on from the day on RTE Radio 1 this is Playback Daily I'm Carol Moran and here's what you might have missed
1: Have you thought about your funeral?
2: I'd rather just die David Bowie is the best funeral ever How know? was that? You just die and get committed and that's it nobody knew where it was who it was do you know what I mean? And he was just gone And that's it, just a little puff of smoke.
3: Were we talking criminal gangs here or might it be an individual who's chancing their arm, I'll pay 25 quid for someone's ID and see if I can buy some stuff with their details.
4: You know, other people may be tempted with the cost of living crisis, things are very expensive. Do you know what, I'll try 10 euro to get a credit card number and try doing my shopping.
5: Did you think you were going to die? Yes. Did you say to them, please don't kill me?
0: Yes, I did, yes. And we'll start with The Ryan Tupperty Show and a moving and reflective interview with Aslan singer and writer Christy Dignam.
1: We are going to dedicate the programme today to uh, an interview uh, that uh, conducted with one of my old pals from this world, uh, that being Christy Dignam. And Christy, very kindly, with Catherine, his wife, invited us uh, to his house last week. We went over to have a chat for what he described as Possibly his last interview and, and I didn't like that description because I've often said to Christy, we said it before a few times, we've often joked about him coming into The Late Late Show for the last time, about five times in a row. So I hope on this occasion he's wrong again. But for now, uh, let me tell you that we did go out to his house and he's a remarkable person. Uh, you would have seen him on TV or heard him on radio or bought his music or watched him on stage and he is in fine fettle i i i was happy to i'm happy to report and over coffee and probably about an hour in his front room of his house we chatted about it all and the to give you a description the front room of his house uh, has has now become his new bedroom if you like there's a hospital bed which he brought in and he sits on that on the side of that he was wearing his hoodie and his jeans and he looked like he might as well be going out to a gig, to be honest with you. He was looked match fit. You might hear some different sounds on this on this interview. You might hear sounds of an occasional machine puffing away in a corner. You might hear Christy struggling for a little bit of breath on occasion, but not much. He seemed to be, as I say, in as good health as is possible. But most importantly, you'll hear an, a, an astute person, uh, somebody who's thought about it all, uh, somebody who's knocked on the door of death before and somebody who has done essentially an audit of his life. And occasionally both our eyes would be drawn to the window, out to his front garden and onto the estate he lives in and watch the world go by, looking very much alive. And we'd look at that (laughs) and people passing by. And he'll talk about watching somebody passing by the window. Put it into context in a few minutes' time. And the world would pass by oblivious to two men sitting in a front room talking about life, death and the universe as he sees it. And then we'd return back to our conversation. And this is what our show is today. It's a chat between myself and Christy. As I say, somebody I've known for years coming in and out of particularly the Late Late Show, but also this show. And every time we meet, we become a little bit closer. I don't want to overstate it, but I have great admiration for him. Uh, and I think this a lot of people in this country, a lot of people listening in, have great love, appreciation for Christy Dignam. So at this point, I'll stop talking and we will all together go to Christy Dignam's front room and have a chat with the man himself. So here I am sitting in the Dignam household. Not my first time here, actually. I was here no, before. I've been
2: here a couple of times, yeah.
1: A couple of times. The last time I was here with you, the Finches were... We're going crazy out in the cages.
2: Yeah, I had to get rid of them because obviously I wasn't able to take care of them anymore. How many did you have? 70 or 80 or something. That many? Where did that come from? They were from? to move into the Well, when I was a kid, yeah. I, I was always into boards, you know. And growing up in Fingus, when I started, Fingus was a village, do you know what I mean? It was out in the countryside. Yeah. So as kids, you go to my and nests and all that. So that's where it all started. But and then you- I didn't like seeing them in cages it's a horrible thing, you know. Yeah. I remember not being able like to sing one time. I had a sore throat. And I remember thinking this was probably for the board if you take off its wings, you know. Yeah. So when you start getting thoughts like that, you can't really keep them anymore. So
1: they were gone. The birds have flown.
2: Yeah. So. Um, you've been unwell for a while now. Yeah, 10 years.
1: Do you recall when the doctor said to you the first time and said, you know what, you're not well? Do you remember that? or? It, yeah.
2: We were in I was in I kept getting these chest infections. Yeah. And they kept giving me antibiotics, but the antibiotics weren't working. They just didn't seem to be doing the job. So I got an ambulance one day here, I could hardly breathe. Got an ambulance to Blanchard's town, so they've done a lot of tests there. And then they sent me to Bowmouth to do a couple of biopsies. So the doctor came in the day of the biopsies and he said, um, it might be bad news, he said, he said, there's two cancers that resembles. He says it's amyloid. Amyloidosis is one of them, mm-hmm. and multiple myeloma is the other one. You know, so but we haven't. It could be neither. So you've kind of three options. You know, so they go, like, okay. I oh, have got those two. So the next day he came in. He says, I said, which one was it? He said you have the two of them. For I, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't initially. I, I rejected it. And I I said to your man, I said, you go go back to Trinity and give back your degrees. I said, you haven't a clue what you're talking about. I think anybody that's gotten a cancer diagnosis will understand that denial, you know. But I remember about five years prior to to being diagnosed myself, I got a phone call and and I'd done this a good few times. But this time I had to go out to the hospice out in Reheney and there was this 17 year old kid there. And he was dying, and I went out. we had done a couple of songs and blah blah blah. So, I was on my way back to here, you know. So, I was a 20 minute drive back there, and I got a phone call off a sister halfway home. and I thought she was ringing me to thank me, you know. Look, thanks, but the chap had died just after we left it. So, I started thinking that he had 11 years of life, you know what I mean? Yeah, I had well at the time I was 50 or something like that. What, what
1: did you do with it, with the diagnosis? Did you, did you try to pretend it wasn't happening uh, until you had to confront it? Yeah,
2: that's what, I, I, yeah, I tried to. Initially, I was so well, I could not confront it, you know. It, it was, you know, sitting me in the face. But when you kind of got a handle on the medication and that and got stabilised, the whole thing, I used to just pretend, not pretend, but I'd live as if there was nothing wrong with yeah. me. And then when something debilitated me, i deal with it on that day, do you know what I mean? And That's the way it's been.
1: We're in your front room today. We'll talk about that in a moment. But when I came through the door, obviously Catherine, your wife, she, was, she said, I hope she doesn't mind me saying, she said, he's like Lazarus in there, you know. <laughs> and I was laughing because <laughs> I think you were on The Late Late Show for the last time. About six times. I know, yeah. <laughs>
2: do you know what I mean by that? I do, yeah. So people used to be on Facebook saying, he has shares in the they Show, that. <laughs> but honest to God, i got a few of them. And Ryan
0: asked Christy about going into palliative care at home.
1: You know, Christy, when uh, somebody goes into palliative care, yeah. it, from my understanding of it, very few of them have...
2: Come back. Come home. Because I thought, this is, this is a conveyor belt up to heaven kind of thing, you know. So we will go in here now and that'll be the end of it. But uh, I found out, you know, that there are, I mean, there is that, but it's also there. See, the reason i done it was I, was, I was staying here. Catherine has ten brothers and sisters, I have eight brothers and sisters. So they'd all be coming up to visit you. And in one week I got a conjunctivitis, a chest infection. Stomach bug, so they're bringing all these germs into the house, and also you know, say there'll be a load of people you're going to stay up and entertain them, you know, you're yeah. going to, and it's just exhausted. It. So, going into respite was to just get to, to, to give me time to think as, as to what's the best way going forward. So, now we, we really limit who comes to the house, you know.
1: So, we're, we're in your te- what well, look, it's essentially a television room. Um, with a view out onto the road in your estate here and you've got it's a medical bed looks comfortable as much as it can be in your couches and then to my left is the kitchen table and Catherine looking in and beautiful garden and it's I can see why you'd want to come home because it's not a house, it's a home
2: Yeah but you know I was sitting here one day and I was looking out the window this is only about a couple of weeks ago and this fella walked by the door just walking, by, you know, and I just looked and I thought, you'll never do that again. You'll never walk. Just go for a walk, you know, and, and then that kind of sent me into a spiral. I started to think all the things like I won't do again.
1: You thought to yourself, I can never do what that man is doing, which is simply walking, walking by your the window. Road, yeah. And what does a spiral look like or feel like? It's, it's,
2: oh, it's, it's dark. It's nice. It's like you're kind of heading into 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 an abyss. You know, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be huge at religious, you know. So it's a whole. I remember really admiring uh, Catherine's man that and, and my man because they were kind of happily going to happily go on I make that oh, lovely, you know. We, we've done the hard bit now. We're going to heaven. Yeah. I'd love to have that outlook. Do you know what I mean? But you
1: don't have any of that faith. It.
2: Logic just, <laughs> just won't walk with me. Your logic
1: man. won't to let that in. No. But like when I came in the door, I see two what looks like religious, uh, almost Eastern yeah, was, Buddhist heads or some sort.
2: This, I, I, I believe I'm spiritual. I believe we're all spiritual beings, you know, in yeah. some, some sense or other. So the, I remember there used to be an old saying when I was going to N.A. that uh, religion is for people who want to go to heaven. Uh, spirituality is for people who've been to hell. And I really identified with that, you know, because um, when, when, when you've had rough times... You see the, the contrast is so vast that it, it helps you see the world in a more focused way. If you know what I mean.
1: Do you think about? Um, have you been thinking about your your life? What a full life you've lived so far. Have Do you do you let your mind drift into almost like a, a this is your life of your of the mind? Yeah. What's what's jumping out?
2: Just fear, you know. Like nobody wants to die, you know, and. When I first got diagnosed, all I wanted was, I remember praying, there you go, I remember praying, please, just give me 10 more years, you know, Mm. and then 10 years are up now and you're kind of saying, okay, I know I only asked for 10, but you couldn't throw another 10 in there. (laughs) Who are you praying
6: to?
2: I don't know. You know, I had a friend of Sioux Indian and they just believed that each life was like a lesson to be learned the more lessons you learned the, the nearer you got to nirvana until you became part of God, do you know what I mean yeah. and that was the way, and I kind of I, I liked that kind of philosophy
0: Christy Dignam talking to Ryan Tuberty in the morning, and we'll come back to that conversation later in the programme And on the news at one, the trial in connection to the Regency hotel killing of David Byrne.
6: 52 days of court sittings, 140 witnesses and 10 hours of secret Garda recordings. The trial of three men in connection with the Regency hotel killing of David Byrne in 2016 is concluding at the Special Criminal Court today. Two men have been found guilty of helping a criminal gang to commit the murder of Kinnahan gang member Byrne. 61-year-old Paul Murphy of Cherry Avenue Swords, County Dublin And 52 year old Jason Bonney of Drumnai Wood, Port Marlock, have been convicted. The court is expected to this afternoon deliver its verdict in the case of the other accused, 61 year old Jared Hutch, who has denied the murder of David Byrne. Our crime correspondent Paul Reynolds was in court this morning. Paul, let's take these verdicts in turn. First of all, what had the court to say about the case against Paul Murphy?
7: Well, that's the way the court has been dealing with these uh, individuals, uh, Brian. They have gone in sequence and they began with Paul Murphy uh, as the judgment was being read out. Uh, He's a taxi driver from Cherry Avenue Swords in County Dublin. Uh, This morning, the court found that he was one of the getaway drivers. He had admitted that he was the only person driving his taxi on the day David Byrne was murdered uh, at the Regency Hotel. Now, the prosecution had said that Murphy drove his Toyota Vences taxi in convoy to St. Vincent's GAA grounds before the shooting, waited in the car park and drove one of the gunmen away as part of a six-car convoy after the murder. Now, Murphy's events, as we've seen, entering Buckingham Village on the, mor- on the morning of the murder. The place, the prosecution says, the hit team met up beforehand and became operational. And Murphy admitted he was there that morning. A swipe card which allowed access through the barrier into Buckingham Village, which was uh, the, the court heard the centre of operations, was found in Murphy's car. Now, today, the court found that the evidence establishes beyond reasonable doubt that It is Paul Murphy's taxi in the CCTV entering and leaving Bella Street, which is where Buckingham Village is. Uh, The prosecution also said that taxi receipts found in Murphy's car were manufactured for the purpose of getting some kind of alibi. And the court said it was satisfied beyond all reasonable doubt that the receipts are "quote inaccurate" and that Mr. Murphy was not engaged in work at the times he says and at the times these receipts say. Uh, Ms. Justice Tara Burns, the presiding judge, said. Court was satisfied that Paul Murphy's taxi was present at St Vincent's GAA Club and took one of the hitmen from St Vincent's. It, it's also satisfied that he was driving the taxi and remained driving it all day. She said the court uh, was satisfied too that uh, Murphy knew of the existence of the Hutch organised crime group. He knew the Hutches, Patsy Hutch, Jonathan Hutch, and, and Eddie, the late uh, Ed, Eddie Hutch Sr., who was known as Neddy, uh, that um, Mr Murphy was in possession of the key card to Buckingham Village the centre of operations. Uh, The court did not accept that a passenger had accidentally left this key card in his taxi. Uh, His use was clearly a planned event, the court court found. The card is linked in numerical sequence to another card found in Patsy Hutch's home. Uh, And The court said it was satisfied that the region of the attack had been orchestrated by the Hutch organised crime group and that therefore uh, Mr, Mr Murphy was guilty as charged.
6: The case against Jason Bonney, Paul, again, he's charged with, or was charged was participating in or contributing to the merger of David Byrne by providing access to motor vehicles on that date, on the 5th of February 2016.
7: Yeah, that's correct. He's he's a builder from Drumnai Wood in, in uh, Port Marnock in Dublin, and he was also found to be one of the other uh, getaway drivers. Uh, and specifically, the court identified the particular gunman uh, that it has now found that he took from the scene. Uh, it, it, the prosecution said that Jason Bonney drove his BMW X5 Jeep in convoy uh, along with Paul Murphy's taxi to St Vincent's GA grounds before the shooting, waited in the car park, and then when the gang ran up the lane... away away from their own burning transit van uh, and into the getaway cars that Mr. Uh, Bonnie drove one of the gunmen, Kevin Flatcap Murray, away from the scene. Bonnie's jeep was seen entering Buckingham Village on the morning of the murder, the place the prosecution says the hit team met up before the attack and he was the only one uh, with a key to the jeep.
0: Paul Reynolds at the Special Criminal Court on the News at one and then later on the live line with Joe Duffy.
7: While
5: we're awaiting the verdict uh, on Jared Hutch from the Special Criminal Court already, the Special Criminal Court uh, this morning has delivered uh, its judgement on two two men who uh, were also the co-accused, so to speak, Paul Murphy of Swords in Dublin and Jason Bonney and both of them have been found uh, guilty of facilitating the murder by making vehicles available to the criminal organisation but we should remember in all the uh, mayhem and the the, uh, theatrics in one sense of today and the 52 days of the very important trial that we're talking about the death, the murder of a 33 year old man who was a father and a partner and a son. Um, David Bourne, and that should always be remembered, uh, regardless of the circumstances or what people think around what happened and what happened subsequently. Many, many people have died, but that trial is specifically about the death, the murder of a 33-year-old uh, young man, uh, David Bourne. I first met Jonathan Dowdall when he was a Sinn Féin councillor in two fourteen, in... I was presenting prizes to a, in a brilliant school in the inner city, Rutland Street School. I've had connections with it over the years and I've always looked forward to the annual... Uh, prize giving and acknowledging great, great efforts by an incredible teaching staff and incredible students. And that's when I first met Jonathan Dowdley. He was a Sinn Fein counsellor. He came up to me afterwards. Uh, he looked extraordinarily dapper. He's a small man. He looked extraordinarily dapper. Three piece suit, uh, waistcoat, uh, double cuff short, uh, a tie pin which I remember was too wide for the small tie he was wearing, but that's a, a stupid thing I would take note of. And he was very affable and he was talking about his plans as a Sinn Féin councillor. He was telling me he was from the area. He was telling me about his business. He was telling me about all the number the number of people uh, that he, he employed and he seemed to be well-regarded. Insofar as you can judge that in the half-hour conversation, he seemed to be well regarded. And, and very eager, very eager uh, young man. And that was uh, in uh, two fourteen. So we move on to Liveline uh, in March two sixteen, And remember, the Regency uh, happened uh, two months uh, previously in uh, 2016. And then the year before that, there was uh, this savage attack on a man uh, called Alex Horley, and we'll be talking about that horrific incident later. Uh, Alex Horley himself will be talking about it. Um, so, they, what happened is that um, Jonathan Dowdell's house on the Navan Road had been raided, very publicly raided. Well, it's a very public and busy road, and um, there was lots of publicity about it. And one of the things that struck a lot of people is a Garda water unit, the sub aqua unit, uh, were involved in a search in a semi-detached house in a suburb in Dublin. But anyway, that's one of the things people might remember. And uh, Jonathan uh, was very anxious on Liveline uh, to uh, explain, as you will hear, that he was totally innocent of any... Uh, involvement uh, in crime. Now, this tape uh, was used uh, extensively during the, the trial, which, as I say, we're awaiting the verdict on Jared Hutch. It might not come before three o'clock, by the way, but, but regardless, uh, this piece is uh, worth listening to because, as people are saying, the the veracity and the guilt and innocence of uh, Jerry Hutch depends on whether the three judges believe. Jonathan Dowdall, they sat in front of him. They believe him. now. Anyway, let, let that let that unfold over the next period, but it will revolve around uh, whether Tara born, Justice Tara born, Sarah Berkeley, and Grania Malone. Those three women whether they believe Jonathan Dowdall's uh, evidence because uh, that's what it's it's pivoting on.
0: Then Joe played an excerpt of a call he received from Jonathan Dowdall in 2016. Now remember,
5: when somebody rings live line, and you, you can criticise me for this as well if you want, but I, I have to presume that they're innocent, even for for obvious legal reasons, but I have to presume they're innocent and let them uh, state their case if they wish to state their case publicly and they choose LiveLine. Uh, on which to do it this is uh, g- going back to March uh, 2016, the 11th of March Jonathan Dowdall uh, he was in his house, phoning from his house on uh, the Navan Road in Dublin. Jonathan you're all over the front page of the lot of newspapers today about your house being raided, what happened? Life
8: right is upside down at the moment Joseph's headed to shoot, uh, my family are in an awful state. thought I won't go to work she, she won't go to college. Um, my house was raided and as you see, you know, other than that, I, I didn't make it public, but um, mm-hmm. the guards did that. They don't avoid the press, as, as far as I'm aware. And um, the house was raided under Section 9 um, as being a suspected member of the IRA. And they were in search of firearms and explosives. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that was the reason why they did help. I don't know why. That is. It, it, it was a complete shock to me. The first I was seeing and known of it was um, a lot of armed guards coming the, to the to the house. I, I just happened to be able to open the door on time um, and they didn't burst through the door and then I was held at gunpoint in the house. I was more than cooperative to, to the guards. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, had a, they were looking for a, an office that we left three or four years ago and I told them our office was around the back and um, they were there from... People it, it reported in the media that they were there from yesterday morning, which it wasn't true. They were there from the night before, from quarter to eight that night.
2: Okay.
7: They
8: turned the house, told us to get out of the house. Um, I wasn't cautioned or arrested at any point or questioned about anything. And um, I don't know what it's, it, it's in relation to. And they wouldn't let me, I, if I left the room, I was held at a gunpoint. I put the dogs away for them to search the house. At one point, then, when we did leave, uh, my wife come back to the house, and uh, there was a guard sitting in the house on his own at 10 o'clock. We talked to her, sitting in the house the other night. He were sitting there on the sofa with a machine gun, watching the telly. Uh, Joe, I run a business mm-hmm. as you know, yeah. I you, I've met you before, I've yeah. run a business since 2007. I've never been on a social welfare payment in my life, I've worked my whole life. Um, I ran in the elections, I'm sure it, I've no criminal convictions whatsoever for a breach of the peace, Year, many, many, probably 20 years ago. Um, I've no links connections to criminality or any crime organisations in, in any shape or form. Like any business today, my company is always overdraft. Um, I borrow, which I've proof of, I borrow uh, money from the credit union around the corner certain weeks on wait for payment to come in to pay the lads so they don't go home w- w- without wages. Mm-hmm. I, it's not a cash business in any shape or form. It's a electrical company and I can't name the companies for legal reasons and Hopefully they will be supportive to me to like straighten this out. But it's all big international companies and that bank transfers the 60-day credit time, 90-day credit time. And um, it's not a, a case where or you, or you, or you do a reword on 5,000 or 10,000 or I'm claiming and money is put in account. That never happens. It's every penny is traceable. The car that they... they there were four cars in my Jeep. There was my daughter's car, which is a Mini, which is mine in my name, which mm-hmm. like it has finance on it, along with the Jeep has finance on it. They didn't take them. They were letting me take my BMW that night, but they searched it, but they moved it in, into a spot that looked good for the press, and they said the reason why they weren't letting me take it was they were to search it again. That car has finance on it. Or previous to that, which had finance on it. And, like, up to this day, I'm still breaking my arse, like everybody else, to pay for the car. My motorbike, right to the point of buying it, has proof for everything on it. The police now avoid the the, uh, the papers about about a pond. Other than that, they've never seen that the divers in, in yeah, the
5: tell, pond. tell us about that. Tell us about that, John, because the Garda Sub Aqua unit arrived yeah, at your house I, I on I the Navan Road. Um, what was that about?
8: I keep Japanese koi joes since I'm a kid. Okay. And, uh, I keep dogs as well, and um, I was always fascinated by fish, and it's a hobby. And I keep them, and I've docked their friends and. All and I'm actually good at keeping them, and I, I, I grow them up, and I'd sell them on to some of my be oh. friends, or we'd swap fish, and that's what I do, was a hobby. I built it myself, I built me home, I planted permission, everything, and the Herald quoted in the paper, which is a categorical lie, that there's no tax returns or anything filed. In my uh, the firm has uh, filed, uh, failed to file. Return since 2013. That's how total lie. And the CRO isn't filed all right for 2014. The taxes are paid, and the way a company works is you pay your taxes and okay. then you go you're for the CRO. But
5: you're saying you are up to date. But what would the
8: hell Both myself and my wife personally were up to date. Up to this year, Joe, the companies I work okay. for, we yeah. need a higher security level to, to work them in the first place. You can't get work if you haven't got a tax clearance there. So that's all, all lawyers. Uh, I've no money in the banks anywhere, Joe. Like, I struggle to pay uh, the wages Like, everybody else in this country that employs people, they struggle mm-hmm, to keep the mm-hmm. company going. I Joe, I don't even... drink. I haven't been... I don't I went to see you there on Saturday night. Before that, I haven't been in a pub in months. Like, my car... I do have a nice car job, but I worked my whole off from it. I'm working since the day I'm 16. Mm-hmm. If there was any criminality stuff to do with
5: me it would have been out during the time of the elections the police have no there's nothing there Joe like this Okay, and, and Jonathan why, uh, ta- ta- yeah. why did the guard a sub unit go in to search an aquarium in a house
8: he it's hardly, not in the house. It's, hard... it, it's in it's in the back garden
5: yeah but he hardly climbed into it
8: oh he, I, I don't know I wasn't here Joe so and is, it, well, is, a, here. is
5: it big enough to climb into
8: oh it is big enough
5: yeah is it indoor or outdoor
8: it's
5: out there. Oh, no, it's a there, okay. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a pond, is it? It's a pond. Okay, and what they waded through the pond. They said he didn't, they said it, they could have emptied the pond, but they didn't want to uh, inflict any cruelty on the fish.
8: No, in fairness, Joe, guys have to do their job. And if, if, if the guards, uh, the, 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 a lot of the guards here were very respectful and they were helpful and some of them went. And you know, guards have to do their job. Uh, Joe, that he set the media up, two of them. At the and they were knocking at the door. A quarter to ten, when they were in there from the night beforehand. I'm not grateful, Joe, that now I'm in a position where I'm going to lose my company. Lads that have mortgages that walk, Joe, I've a massive mortgage. Oh God.
5: Okay, okay,
8: eight hundred thousand. I've a mortgage of nearly four hundred thousand. I've got no massive, I've no big money in bank accounts or anywhere, uh-huh. you know.
0: Joe Duffy's interview with Jonathan Dowdall in 2016. Then Joe went back to an interview with Alex Hurley.
5: Now, um, what? When I was asking Jonathan Dowdall there about had he any involvement in the crime, as you heard, there was there's nothing to it, he said. But one of the uh, items found in his house in that raid he was complaining about uh, was a tape, and that tape showed um, Jonathan and his father of imprisoning and threatening to kill a man called Alex Hurley, completely. Innocent uh, man who was—he uh, thought he was buying a motorbike, but and you heard, um, you heard Jonathan refer to his love of motorbikes and cars since he was a since he was a, a child. And Jonathan and his father were convicted uh, of imprisoning, falsely imprisoning, and threatening to kill Hurley. And in April two thousand and eighteen, Alex Hurley uh, was on live line and described uh, his ordeal at the hands of. Jonathan Dowdall and his father. And Alex, when they tied you to the swivel chair in the garage in that house on, Navin, on the Navon Road, the two of them were oh. there. I, somebody took video footage, so we won't, we won't go down that road. Um, but anyway, the two of them were there. The, the father was threatening to cut off your fingers, I think at one stage, with pliers. Um, right. And, and did, they, did they say this out loud to you? This is what we are going to do. And what did you say or how did how could you react to that?
9: Well, apart from being in shock and an absolute terror, you're, you're, of course your initial reaction would say please not to. Um mm-hmm. uh, you know, but you, you you just you just freeze up in that type of a situation.
5: And then one says Jonathan Dowdle waterboarded you. Yes, he did a number of times. Did he did he use that phrase or where did he get that idea from?
9: To, to,
5: what to waterboard? Yeah, what the, where did he even learn how to do that?
9: I don't know, I honestly don't know. I don't know as to what you know, I really don't know where he would have professed this type of act or mm. you know, learned these techniques. I don't know.
5: <laughs> and then, um, shaving did it did they actually shave your head with an electric razor? Yes, they did. And what in the name of good God were they? What are you attempting to do?
9: I don't know. Um, I think it was all part of It of, well, not I think, it was obviously part of their act or part of their agenda as to what they were do what, of, you know, the torture that they wished to inflict.
5: Did you think you were going to die? Yes. Did you say, um, to, them, did you say to them, please don't kill me? Yes, I did, yes. And what did they say?
9: that you're you're not going anywhere. You're, you're you're not leaving here alive.
5: When you pleaded with the father and son, did like did you have a father and a son? Did mm. did even one of them say to the other, "Well, listen, hang on. This is let him go or leave him be."
9: No. Well, did another it... Another another individual in the background. Obviously, convinced them. They went out of the room to talk or to converse or whatever they do, mm-hmm. and they came in and they said, "We we'll let you go, but there's terms or conditions attached."
5: And what were um, they? If
9: any, if any, well, one of them was to leave Dublin never to return, mm-hmm. um, and then there was threats in 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 Danish against me and my family. If those, if those condition, if those conditions were. That condition was um, breached.
5: And you saying the father and son were egging each other on rather than restraining each other in the violence and the threats of violence.
9: Well, from what I could see, it was a joint support act. But I can't, I like as I say, I can't. Mm. I can't confirm that.
5: But yeah.
9: from what I, from what part I've seen of them, you know. Like, I don't know what happened when they left the room, but from what I could see, yes.
5: Did you know you were being filmed? That Your torture yes. was being filmed? Yes, I did. God, did they say why they were filming it?
9: Uh, if the terms were breached, in terms of, as I explained, um, mm-hmm. it would be placed on YouTube.
5: Oh so it was blackmail? Correct. Okay, now... Alex, tell us how you, how you came in contact with the Dowdles, please. Just to give people who don't know the background to it. Were you selling a bike or buying a bike? Because we know he was into... And he's, he's I was a, looking
9: a, to purchase one.
5: Okay. From them? Yes. Okay. Um, and that's how you arrived in their house on the Navan Road? Correct. Okay. Did you ever see the bike? I did, yes. Okay. And how did they, they turn on you?
9: Uh, apparently the <coughs> excuse me apparently the they father enjoyed my company or they enjoyed just whatever chat and there was a dinner invitation extended mm-hmm. and although I thought it very well odd at the start um, they said that they'd, they were they enjoyed my company or whatever was the case um, at the time when I first met them um, and then I said uh, with and then I said I would accept. Yeah. Um, after severe convincement from Jonathan. And I attended and then that's when, after arriving at the house, that's when it all changed and turned into a nightmare.
5: And you believe that was a trap? Yes. Okay. Were you aware that he had dogs?
9: Yes, I was aware. I was told he had dogs that I was going to be there next meal.
5: How long did this ordeal last for? The, can you... Can you pinpointed her
9: I can't specifically pinpoint her but it was two hours or so
5: and how did you finally get out of that place
9: I was released and I was dumped in a remote part of Dublin hmm.
0: an interview from the archives of Alex Hurley from Liveline with Joe Duffy And on today with Claire Byrne, selling Irish identities on the dark net.
3: You might have heard this news that Irish identities are being stolen and sold online for twenty-five euro. Major data breaches have resulted in a number of Irish customers' bank login details, their passwords, their PPS numbers, and their addresses being packaged together and sold on the dark web. Neve Davenport is head of financial crime with the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland, and Neve is on the line now. Good morning, Neve. Good morning, So we know the credit card details. they have appeared online for sale before, haven't they? but these packages of information as I, as I mentioned there, they're much more detailed. So do we know how the criminals are getting access to that kind of information?
4: Yeah, so there's a couple of ways that they're getting access to it. Um, There is the first kind of ways through things that we see like text message scams or email scams. And that's where people are clicking on links and it's bringing them to fake websites or to payment sites where, you know, you you think you have to confirm a payment or a custom charge, for example, on a package needs to be paid. They're all ways that they're getting some of the information that's available to you, Mm -hmm. uh, to them, the credit cards example that you mentioned. Then Uh, if we go up, sorry. No, go
3: on. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: I was going to say the other way then maybe getting more information out of people is through data breaches and that's another another way that we have seen people's com- details compromised.
3: Okay. Um, so uh, what I think most people would be surprised about today is just how cheap it is if you're on the dark web and you want to buy an identity that you could get it for, I said 25 euro, but I, I see it can be as low as 10 euro in some cases.
4: It really depends, which is it's quite a sad situation. It depends on the amount of information available. So the more complete the package is, the more costly it's going to be. So credit cards, um, you know, can start at ten euro, for example, and it works its way up depending on what information is available. And the other way as well, just for people to remind, like a credit, say a credit card is say for example, as I said, ten euro. But the other information that goes with it, like the name or the CVV, which is the three digits on the back of the cards, they all make it more expensive. And even just with that level of information, if somebody was to Google you, for example, or go on social media, they'd be able to get a lot more information um, on you as well. And I always remind people that it's not just what they post on one social media um, on platform, but it's across all the different platforms like your job, where you've been, your family, your friends, all of that information is is available online very easily.
3: Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't do it. Is that what you're advising?
4: Well, I'd always say, you know, think about what you're posting before you post it. Is it really necessary to have that information up there? You know, your, your birthday message gives your date of birth, your dog's name, for example, could be a password that you use. Really think about what it is that you're posting before you post it.
3: How careful do we need to be about the amount of information we store in our phone? Say if we're using our phone to pay in shops and so on, is, is that, does that put us at risk?
4: No, it's a fairly safe way to pay, actually. Um you know it's, it's it's safe. it's it's using your fingerprint or your face recognition. They're all very safe ways to pay it's making sure that your security ups, is up to date that your antivirus is up to date and that goes for people's handsets it goes for people working at home and um, you know obviously with hybrid as well we're working from home a lot and then it goes for businesses as well to make sure that their security systems are up to date a lot of the time that's how the information is getting in it's you know a, an email getting in breaking through the malware the, sorry breaking through the security system if it's not kept up to date so it's really important like when it comes to this simple Uh, pieces of advice is what I can say is keep information up to date think about what you're posting online and keeping your personal documents safe really that they are the key pieces of information that you can do to keep your financial and personal information safe.
3: And then who are the customers who are buying this information online on the dark web are we talking criminal gangs here or might it be an individual who's chancing their arm I'll pay 25 quid for someone's ID and see if I can buy some stuff with their details?
4: Yeah, so it's both. So the uh, the low like low hanging criminals, as I would say, um, are doing it to chance their arm. It's people. You know, other people may be tempted with the cost of living crisis. Things are very expensive. Do you know what? I'll try 10 euro to get a credit card number and try doing my shopping um, for the next couple of weeks on it until the card is blocked. So if you do think you have fallen victim to a breach or um, your information has been compromised, really do report it to your bank and to Angarda as quickly as possible to shut down your cards so that people can't use them.
0: Neve Davenport from Today with Claire Byrne. And on the Ray Darcy show in the afternoon, Susan Hart was talking about her award-winning cat, Gillian.
10: A uh, fantastic picture on the front of the Irish Times this morning of a two-year-old Sphinx cat by the name of Gillian. Uh, yesterday, Gillian took home the top prize for the best pedigree pet at a Dublin cat show. Uh, and she's pictured there looking very catty and a bit scary on the cover of the Times today. Her owner, Susan Hart, joins me on the line. How are you
11: doing, Susan? Hi Ray, how are you? C- Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, thank you. But I, I must point out she didn't actually get the overall best pedigree pet. She got a prize in her section. Okay. Uh, in, in her division, yes. yes.
10: Okay, so, so and and she didn't get the overall, because there's pedigrees and then there's pedigree pet, is there? There's
11: pedigrees and there's uh, uh, pedigree and pedigree pet. Sorry, household pets and pedigree pets. Okay. But I- they're divided into different colour groups and, you know, right. like, okay. different varieties as such. I, I, but she and did get forced in her part.
10: OK, great. I, I, and she wouldn't be in the pedigree section because she has a wonky eye, is that, did I hear that?
11: She, yes, she has a, a bit of a wonky eye and a wonky tail. OK. But unfortunately, she has, a, a, a like, a, a turn in her eye. Yes. And she has a defect in her tail, which is basically a kink in her tail. Right. So that, then, defects would, would, um, would nailise her from, from, from competing in, in the, the regular
10: will you Will sort. you describe her outfit to our listeners, for people who didn't see the picture?
11: Her outfit, um, she, had a, she was wearing a hat, which my mother, Pat, actually made for her. Where right. She crocheted it. And the dress she was wearing um, was made by a lady in Russia um, who designs um, clothes for things.
10: And she got pearls on her?
11: She? Oh, yes. that was a, yes, yeah. I kind of go mad buying things for her. Yes. And it's a little pearl, pearl necklace with a diamond heart on it as well. Yes.
10: Does she enjoy getting dressed up, Susan?
11: You know, she seems to yes, yeah. as because she's a sphinx cat. She's they they need clothes constantly. you know to keep them? warm. have no
10: fur. Well, it's it's the very little fur, don't they?
11: They've no no fur. No at fur all. at all, no. right?
10: They no look fur. like the no. yeah. They look like they're inside out sort of thing, don't they?
11: They're, exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, so. but uh, yeah, so they 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 have to be protected. They kept warm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like Gillian would have pajamas and all for night time. Do and a hot water bottle. Great, yeah, um, yeah. Spoiled, so we, rotten. Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. She's my baby, yes. but um,
10: It's a brilliant picture yes. by Tom Honan because it looks like she's looking at you and, and she's looking exactly. like she's giving the killer eye, not the wonky uh, eye. She's but, giving you the killer eye. <laughs>
11: well, look, Kilian actually look that grumpy. That's the, the thing about sphinxes; they're not known for their for their looks and their their sweet expressions. You know, they kind of always look grumpy, but that's yeah. what made me love them anyway. Yes.
10: <laughs> uh, now, now it says that she's Spanish, and and she is Spanish. In that you got her from Spain, but you own her and you live in Dublin. Yes. 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 yes yeah. 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 Uh, and how many cats have you got?
11: I have seventeen. <laughs> Between myself and my mother, I have seventeen. Sorry. 17 No yes. I heard you the first
10: time I'm just sorry no. <laughs> <I
11: don't know. laughs> but, no. They're very, very addictive
10: Yeah obviously When did you start collecting them?
11: Well it was My mother My mother always loved cats And she got me Interested as such So then um, She had it Good for years She had about 8 or 9 Whatever yeah. But then I kind of added on A lot of extra and especially when I my friend got me uh, introduced me to the cat show scene, and I went along to a show, and that tempted me to buy my first pedigree cat, which is a Persian called Jeffrey. And then I got really, really hooked, and yeah, bought other pedigrees.
10: So. I, I, and you 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 live with your mother, do you?
11: I do, indeed. So there's
10: yeah. 17 cats there. Yeah. What's the yeah. What's the house like? how How do you describe it? Mad. <laughs> Absolutely mad. As mad anyway, as a house of cats. Yeah, as as- yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Susan Hart from The Ray Darcy Show. And on Today with Claire Byrne, access to the weight loss drug Saxenda.
3: The anti-obesity drug Saxenda became available to public patients on the 1st of January and more than 2,600 people have applied for it but over half of those applications have been refused because of the strict criteria. Now the drugs cost €250 a month. The state will only pay for it if the patient has a body mass index of 35 or over, pre-diabetes and evidence of cardiovascular disease and the treatment will be stopped if the patient doesn't lose more than 5% of Their body weight after 12 weeks. But as the obesity time bomb threatens to engulf our health system, why is the criteria so strict for access to these drugs? Well, here to explain is Professor Michael Barry, Director of the National Centre for Pharma Co economics. Good morning to you.
12: Good morning, Clark.
3: Now, let's start uh, with with a little bit of an explainer about what we're talking (laughs) about here because weight loss drugs have been around for a very long time. So, what makes these drugs we're talking about today different?
12: Yes, you're right. And it's fair to say that weight loss uh, drugs have had somewhat of a checkered history in the past. And we've had the agents, for example, like amphetamines for weight loss, ramonabant, And unfortunately, these have been associated with adverse effects, for example, with amphetamines, cardiovascular adverse effects, Ramonabant, We've had psychiatric side effects, including suicidal ideation. And then on the other hand, we've had other other agents like Orlistat, uh, which, uh, you know, while it does reduce weight, um, it, it, it is modest, uh, to be fair, in about 1.1 kilograms over 16 weeks. So I think the big change here is that you have new agents, the GLP-1 uh, agents, as they're called, uh, the semaglutides and lir- liraglutides of this world, and they're r- relatively safe. Uh, well tolerated, but they certainly do reduce weight um, to a far greater extent. So, okay. you, for example, with Saxenda, you know, you, you can get weight loss of up to, uh, say, six kilograms uh, over a, a year. With Wygovi, uh, which is uh, semaglutide, you can get weight loss of up to uh, 12, over 12 kilograms. That's two stones. So these are more effective and they are much safer.
3: Mm-hmm. So why are you making it so hard for people to get them?
12: Well, uh, there's, there's a budgetary issue unfortunately here and the, and essentially what the uh, Medicines Management Program Managed Access Protocol is uh, attempting to do is to ensure that those patients at the highest risk get access to the drug. I should say that we're not the only ones that uh, will be struggling with the with the financial aspects here. It's a lot of debate in the United States in relation to this and how how many people should be covered. In Canada, the uh, Canadian Drug and Health Technology Agency recommended against public reimbursement for these drugs. So it, it is a challenge. And, mm-hmm. and you, know, you have a lot of patients and a relatively high-cost drug. Uh, and so what happens in this case is the HSE recommended reimbursement on two conditions. One, that we'd get a reduction in the price, which we did. And two, that it would be confined to uh, this group of patients, which is a subset of the licensed population.
0: Professor Michael Barry from Today with Claire Byrne. And back to that interview with Aslan's Christy Dignam from The Ryan Tubridy Show.
2: What would you say was the worst time of your life? Oh
0: man, millions,
2: I have millions of them. You know, obviously, the addiction was a nightmare, you know. I feel terribly sorry for kids now today. It's becoming hopeless. You know what I see happening, Ryan? These kids are seeing how much money they can be made and blah, blah, blah. And it's harder to get into to stuff now, you know.
1: So that was your worst time, was the addiction stuff?
2: I think so, yeah. I can't think of any worse times than that. Yeah. I remember going over to Tamperbok in uh, Thailand. And, jeez, uh, it was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Because you just go over and they put you in the lockdown compound. They take all your money off and give you like Monopoly money mm. that only works on the, uh, on the on the side. And uh, I remember once I was in bed and when you're, when, when you're coming off drugs you sweat a lot. So I was kind of half sleeping and I felt like a pool of sweat in the middle of my chest there, rolling down my chest. I opened my eyes and I was like a praying mantis eating a butterfly on my chest. And I just thought, man, this, this is not right. This is this, this is not where I should be today, do you know what I mean? Another time, we were in a... a this is a quick one. We were in meditation. to see these, these medita, meditations? We'd be all kneeling in front of, like, a gutter, and they give you this drink, and about five minutes later, you'd start vomiting, like projectile vomit. And it gets the toxins and all out of you. But we uh, were in med. That's that's one of the things. we're in meditation one day, so we're lying on this big floor, and there's no doors in any of the places because it's so warm over there. So there's a monk up the top, and it's like right, right from your from your yeah, from your right ankle to your toes, relaxed. So then you really slowly. in, and in the in the background you've got kind of monks beating drums. Right now, from your shin to your ankle. To your, tip of your toes relaxed in the right leg and you go on and on and on then you go up to the left side and we were about the chest and the next minute he's like get on! I, honest to God, you, when you're in a meditative state it's like you're in a different place you know but this uh, this uh snake had come into the oak like at a minute about six foot long you know just slithered into the and it slithered in between all of us we are all just lying on mats you know and you think what, what, did,
1: what, did <laughs> how did this happen? Yeah. and it wasn't a was hallucination, it was actually. Oh, burn. no, this is
2: this, this was a king poison, a king poison. No,
1: that was the dark, the darkest time then. That, that was dark, yeah. Um, let me reverse the question. Yeah,
2: when, when were you happiest? The happiest moment I ever had in my life was scared to being born. I'll never forget that moment because. And I remember thinking, with God, that this person existed had no identity. It was just a bump on Catherine. Do you know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. And in a nanosecond, you'd kill everybody in the room if you tried to touch that baby. You know? Yeah. And I remember the love hit me that quickly. You know, and that suddenly, it nearly knocked me off my feet. It nearly knocked me on my arse. Do you know what I mean? But that was an amazing. That was an amazing feeling. And it's it's, it's a little bit ironic that um when I first got diagnosed. I remember thinking, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't care what car they drove, off. I didn't care where they lived. I didn't care about Aslan. I didn't care about fame. Well, I never did care about fame or any of that shit. The only thing I cared about was seeing my grandkids for a little bit longer, you know, right? So, after thinking about that, I thought, for years, I was running around like a blue ass you wondering, what's life all about? You know, what? what why are we here? Mm. And I used to take drugs to try and, find a way or a pathway to the to, to in the life kind of thing. And that was in front of me all the time. I, I took this, you know, one thing great about the cancer is it's great for prioritising it. You know, you, 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 you just focus in on what's important, you know. and Some of the happiest moments I've had have been since I've been diagnosed, you know, because you, you appreciate things more, you know.
1: What do you appreciate more?
2: Appreciate life. You've just been alive, you know. You wake up in the morning, your feet you, you hit the floor. Like, i would be here that night, because it, cause it affected my heart, I'll be here that night and you get a little swinge in your heart and you go, oh, this is it. This is it. You know, this is, you know? and then you wake up the next morning and you go, oh, thanks, that's lovely.
1: You know, uh, Catherine was saying to me when we came in that she, she had a dream about feeding you porridge and that you, um, as a result of the porridge, she, the dream went on. Part two of the dream was that you were up gigging, parge was the answer. And the next day she came down and she fed you parge to say, Maybe this is the answer. And you said to her, Do you remember what you said to her about the I dream? I dream
2: about gigging that night as well.
1: Isn't that amazing?
2: I gig a lot about, I dream a lot about gigging.
1: Do you? What's happening yeah. in the gigs?
2: Well, at the moment, uh,
1: in your dreams, obviously,
2: yeah. No, I, you know. Well, I'm still here. I'm still kind of doing what I'm doing. You said to me on the late, late one day about Finbar Fury. Not when I was yeah. telling you we are walking with Finbar. So we're at the finish in a couple of songs for the, for the thing. So we've, we've done Grace, the Sally Gardens, yes. uh, Raglan Road, and uh, Greenfields of France. Greenfields
1: of France, yeah, amazing.
2: So we're going we're to release the Greenfields of France, but we didn't think it was the really right time at the moment. Yes, so we got we got then we're gonna go with Grace because of Easter and all that.
1: So it's it's the new unofficial anthem of Ireland anyway as well.
2: Yeah. So so that's it. So that's it. So I'm always kind of thinking it.
1: But it's funny that you're dreaming of gigging as well. Yeah. Because it's so ingrained in your DNA and your brain and yeah. your soul. Yeah. That it's 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 there in your dream time and your. you I mean, you've always been eating and drinking yeah, and sleeping this. But you
2: have dreams like. The gig will be packed and you open you're mouth and you forget the words of all the songs or something.
1: Ah, okay, so it's that well that's a nightmare then. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's well, it turns out to be a nightmare. But you know, look, yeah. it is what it is. When I look back on on my life, I've had a very full life, you know, I've I've done an awful lot. And I've still a little bit more to do. And until my heart stops, I'm gonna keep trying to do that, you know. Try and just get the best out of Ring every just every little drop of life that I have.
0: And Ryan asked Christy about his funeral.
2: Have you
1: thought about your funeral? Do you care and does it matter to you?
2: I'd rather just die. David probably best funeral ever. What know? was that? You just die and get cremated and that's it. Nobody knew where it was, who it was. Do you know what I mean? And he was just gone. And that's it. Just a little puff of smoke. You know that's the way I like it because like, I don't want to be sitting and seeing everybody it's always freezing at like the wig yeah yeah. He's freezing. I don't like that shit you know
1: <laughs> are you happy are you sad are you scared
2: I'm happy and I get very sad and I get very scared like you know the thing about with this diagnosis anybody that, with cancer that's the way I used to love listening to Vicky feeling and that mm. Because when you do get into a particular emotion, you get into it. You know what I mean. You don't. You don't do it in the, You don't do it by halves. Do you know what I mean? Because everything is so. Everything is so serious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no. There's no time for bullshit.
1: Do you feel minded and loved?
2: Yeah. Within the family unit, and then again, you know. I can't use the word fans because it's a real. I think it's a very uh, condescending word, but let's say supporters of of of, of the, the, you know, Aslan and stuff like that. There's a great. I grew up very insecure about myself, you know. Real, I was felt very vulnerable and, you, you know, and to be, it's like an acceptance almost, mm. and that's why I think I became who I became because every night you are going out trying to prove, you know get get people's approval, you mm, know. Mm. So that's, that, that was a huge uh, centre of satisfaction for me, the response I got from from the public when they announced you know, that I we'll, we'll probably wouldn't be gigging anymore, you know.
1: Would you like to say anything else before we say goodbye? I love you. I love you too,
2: man. <laughs> no, I think we got through it all there. It's just, I was thinking, how will I get to do this? Because I haven't done anything. You know, over a couple of years, you know, and I'm saying, so who will who will I get if I am the And you're the first person that came into my mind. You know,
1: well, to to invite us into your house like you, you have today uh, is a real privilege for us because it's this Thank is you. your this is your private place. You know, And yeah. I hope people listening in their cars or wherever they are in the world feel that they were in the room with us today yeah. listening to you talking so freely and animatedly and excitedly and yeah. sometimes sadly about life and the universe because you're always so engaging, so smart, so astute, so talented, all the things you won't let me say to you to your face but I'm going to say them anyway but thanks to you and Catherine for, for, for letting us here today. Christy
0: Dignam from the Ryan Tubridy Show And that's it for Playback Daily so mind yourself till next time